Hello and welcome to your Active's AgriFood podcast. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And I'm Natasha Fitt. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from your Active's AgriFood team. So we're approaching a big week. It's a big week coming up next week, a big cap week. I feel like we say this a lot, but it is. This really, time it's for real. This time it's the real deal. What's going on next week, Gerardo? Enlighten us. It's uh, it's uh, the Common Agricultural Policy Crunch Time. Uh, we're talking about the so-called Jumbo Trilogue, uh, which is basically this uh, two-day meeting. Extravaganza. Yeah. Uh, two-day, let's see if it will be a two-day meeting. Two or three-day meeting, shall yeah. we say. That will basically decide the fate of the common agricultural policy uh, dossier because the EU negotiators, so basically the Portuguese presidency and um, the, the rotating EU presidency and the uh, negotiators for the European Parliament will try to strike a final deal on the reform of the EU's farming subsidies. Do you remember that time we, we started to rather optimistically use the hashtag of final cap down? And I think we need to bring that back with this is the actual final cap down now. Yeah, the actual final cap down, indeed. And uh, talking I, about using the hashtag final cap down, we used that for uh, a very successful live blog that um, that we ran. Uh, when was it that we had it? Back in November? Back in November, or yes. the end of October. And off the back of that success, bearing in mind that we're facing a, a pretty complex week ahead of, ahead of us with all these trilogues and everything that's going on, we decided to bring back the live blog. So you're active and um, has you covered all the twists and turns of all the fun that's going to happen over the marathon that is next, uh, the next cap week. We have your backs covered. We will be running a live blog with reactions, comments, and all the latest news. So be sure to look out for that next week so that you know exactly what's going on. And most of all, leaks. And leaks, yes. We will try to bring you inside the room uh, thanks Indeed. to our sources. <laughs> and Big promises, Gerardo. Yeah, you better yeah, deliver yeah. on these promises now because you, you've, you know, it's binding. You've said it on the podcast now. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> And leading us into this big jumbo week that we have next week, the jumbo trilogue, who better to have as a guest than the man who coined the term jumbo trilogue himself? So our guest this week is none other than the EU Agricultural Commissioner, Janusz Wojciechowski, and we spoke to him about all things cap reform and more. Um, so Commissioner, thank you so much for being here on the podcast with us today. I want, of course, to uh, start with the uh, main uh, issue on the table, which is the reform of the common agricultural policy. So the crunch time for the, the cap reform is set to play out next week on 25th and 26th of May in what you called in a tweet the jumbo trial, so this super final meeting. However, the rotating EU presidency uh, currently held by Portugal has been criticized to play very much on defensive, uh, not conceding anything in a view of a last minute deal. So what do you think about that? And, and also, do you see some risks for, for a final deal from the fact that the trilogue will coincide with the Agrifish Councils? I mean, some say that this could potentially increase the negotiators around the table, allowing uh, uh, other ministers to influence the talk. So what do you think about that? 
I'm optimistic that I think that this trial next week will be um, uh, successful and we will achieve the compromise. Uh, we are close to the to the final final compromise. The, the Portuguese presidency is, is very active to achieve the compromise. Uh, of course, this is uh, not easy uh, uh, for the presidency, which is representing uh, 27 member states and. Uh, they have the mandate of, of 27 member states, but this mandate is uh, limited, and I understand the Portuguese um, presidency position. But uh, we are going to the to the right direction. And we speak uh, a, a few days before the, the, this trialogue, but uh, I hope that it will be a successful trialogue. Uh, there are not uh, very serious controversies uh, now. We have that that uh, discussion during last month was, was effective. And, uh... So one of the thorniest issues remaining uh, in the cap reform negotiations is this issue of social conditionality, which actually wasn't um, originally a commission proposal. So I'm wondering, um, what is your take on this? I mean, for example, there's been a lot of criticism about how it may lead to increased red tape. Um, is this a valid concern in your opinion? And do you consider that social conditionality may be outside the remit of the cap, as some critics have suggested? As a representative of the commission, I, I uh, declared my support for the idea to the social conditionality that uh, this is the, the important to take into account also the, the how the beneficiaries uh, respect the uh, worker rights, the social standards, not only environmental standards, not only the climate, uh, animal welfare, but treatment of the people is, uh, of course, uh, this is very, very important. The problem is how to include this conditionality into the CAP because there is uh, something different system of control. There are special uh, institutions uh, for uh, audit, the, um, like labor inspection. But we discuss about the technical problems, how to include the, the social conditionality into the, the, the CAP. Uh, probably it will be not, uh, not clear the conditionality like, like uh, environmental conditionality, but uh, also I'm optimistic that uh, we will include the uh, social conditionality into the CAP. And from one tricky point to another, the eco-scheme. So it seems that in the end, the parliament and the council will meet halfway. Do you think that the Portuguese uh, proposal, which is basically progressively reaching 25%, um, is satisfactory for the commission? And also, what do you reply to those who hinted at the fact that eco-schemes are not compatible with the WTO rules? Commission position is um, uh, about the percentage of the of the eco schemes as uh, much as possible and um, i don't like to, to say about the percentage now that uh, of course the compromise also is uh, is probably will be necessary to find a compromise between the council position which is 20% and, uh, uh, and parliament position 30% parliament position is supported by the commission and um, eco schemes, this is a very important part of the green architecture uh, in the uh, CAP reform. About the WTO, that um, I had yesterday the meeting with uh, Madame uh, Director General Ivala, 
it's uh, the director general of the uh, WTO who discussed uh, about this uh, green deal in, uh, in European agriculture and uh, also about the eco schemes. I explained that eco schemes, this is not support for the production. This is support for the farmers for their action for the climate, for the environment, for the animal welfare. And uh, it should be not a problem with uh, WTO's uh, standards because this is support, but not for the production. This is uh, uh, support for the farmers uh, who pay additional costs for higher standards of uh, for environment and for, for the climate. And the Commission has really been a, a key player um, in the game kind of during the CAP negotiations, which has sometimes drawn criticism for being maybe too intrusive. Uh, for example, when Vice President Timmermans um, threatened to scrap the proposal. So um, I'm wondering, how did you overcome these initial frictions and did you manage to, to make up? I have a good cooperation with Vice President Timmermans, who is responsible generally for the European Green Deal. Uh, green Deal in, in agriculture is the part of the European Green Deal as, as, as a general project. And um, we are going to the same direction. My intention is to uh, make uh, European agriculture more friendly for environment, for climate, for animal welfare but also to make the common agriculture policy more friendly for the farmers. And in my point of view, this is no controversy between these this values. And uh, um, it's possible to, to have more environmental friendly farming and uh, it would be good for the, also for the farmers, especially for uh, small and medium-sized uh, family farms. The, the Green Deal eco schemes like organic farming, short supply chain, a lot of actions which are proposed in the first pillar and the second pillar of the, the, the CP. This is uh, the new chance for the small and medium-sized farms. These farms who are now under pressure of the more and more intensive uh, farming, like sometimes industrial farming, and in normal conditions, they, they are not able for the competition with uh, intensive farming. Thanks to the support from the Green Deal instruments, they have chance to, to, to be competitive. As a organic farmers, as a farmers participating in the short supply chain, etc. Et this is the chance, especially for the small and uh, medium-sized uh, farmers. And uh, this is the reason that there is no um, uh, problems with my cooperation with uh, Vice President Timmermans, who is responsible for all uh, Green Deal. At the same time, we can say that there's this, um, yeah, a bit of overlapping between the DG Agri and DG MV. Uh, sometimes it seems they have uh, different interests. As you said, you, you're representing farmers. But um, the same thing we're kind of experiencing in the, the parliament where the MV committee and the Agri committee sometimes clash. So how to cope with this uh, potential uh, dualism uh, in the future? This is not not a serious problem in, in, in my point of view. For example, there was a, a, a lot of concerns about the eco schemes uh, from the farmers. That's eco schemes, it will be the, the farmers will be forced for the um, higher standards. It will be very costly for them. But uh, when we presented the, the, our vision of the eco schemes, which was uh, presented a few months ago, that... that uh, 
this is not an uh, exhaustive list, but this is some proposals for the eco schemes. It was the reason that uh, we have the less uh, concerns from the farmers. The farmers understand well, better, uh, what is our vision of the eco schemes. Is, uh, this is not conflict between the uh, eco schemes and other environmental actions and, and farmers' interests. Majority of farmers have additional chance, thanks to this, this uh, green architecture in the, the CAP. I, I think uh, it will be um, acceptable by majority of farmers. Maybe for the, in some, the, the industrial uh, farming, that very intensive farming, they will be not satisfied. But majority of our farmers, European model of agriculture is based on the, on the family farming and uh, I think that it should be profitable for them. And actually on that topic um, of, of small farmers, um, you know, you've already mentioned here about this being a new chance for small farmers and you've been very outspoken in, in the past about the importance of small farmers. Um, but you've also previously criticised um, the previous CAP for its role in contributing to the EU-wide loss of family and small-scale farms. So as it stands, do you see that this CAP reform offers enough support for small farmers and in your opinion have the shortcomings of the previous cap that you criticized before um, been addressed in this cap reform generally the common agriculture policy this is the success story that the thanks of this almost six, 60 years uh, of this policy we have um, food security in the european union also during the pandemic the, our food system was able to to ensure the food security for all you uh, citizens uh, but there is a problem of uh, the concentration of the pro production concentration of land now we have the situation that uh, 52 percent of land uh, is owned by the only three three percent of the uh, land owners and uh, we lost uh, uh, just after um, enlargement uh, big enlargement 2004, uh, in the next decade, the number of farms in European was uh, reduced from uh, 14 uh, million to about the 10 million. We lost 4 million small farms during one decade. And it was not a good process because we need the, uh, also the small farms for many reasons. One of them is the sustainable development of the rural areas uh, to, to avoid uh, the depopulation of the rural areas. It's very important to give possibility, to give opportunity for small farmers to exist. And uh, yes, there, there was uh, um, some mistakes in the, the previous CAP. For example, uh, the system of to invest for uh, development of the big uh, animal farms like uh, in pig farming uh, country which i know best <laughs> the my home country poland uh, the, the 15 years ago there was uh, about 800,000 pig farms now there is 10 times uh, less this is 80,000 but the process is going uh, all time to the one direction less number of farms and bigger and bigger farms uh, animal farms we need to to um, control better this process and to, to give the chance for the small farmers to to exist also in the uh, animal production because there is uh, a lot of negative aspect when the animal um, 
farming is too much uh, concentrated. Uh, also, the, the problem for the food security, because you can observe there's big problems, for example, with animal diseases like uh, like avian influenza. The last time in, in, in the, the, there was uh, many big farms was affected uh, by this influenza, and uh, it's necessary to liquidate uh, millions of uh, length uh, hands in, in, in these farms. It's very high cost, economical cost also for environment. They are, they are, they are big problems. Uh, finally speaking, that uh, we need more sustainable development of our agriculture and policy expenditure. First pillar, maybe the second pillar, investment finance from the second pillar should be better targeted to the small and medium-sized farms. Because many times they were excluded from the financial support there, there, there was preference for the big farms uh, and not not for small farms it it, it should be changed and uh, as a commissioner uh, it was uh, one of my priorities to to uh, strengthen the support for the small and medium-sized uh, farmers and um, um, more personal question if i may uh, you quite famously engage a lot on twitter I mean, much more so than your counterparts in the commission. So why is that you use this platform so much? And this has sometimes led to some controversies. And has this criticism uh, made you rethink your use of this uh, platform? No, the Twitter is a very useful uh, platform for the, for the uh, discussion with the farmers. Uh, now that we have uh, limited possibilities for for meetings with the uh, with the farmers at the beginning of my mandate uh, uh, i had a lot of uh, meetings with the farmers during uh, for example the green week in berlin during the salon agriculture in, in paris in uh, in austria that I, I visited farms the, the organic farmers in austria for example it is very important to have direct co- uh, contact with farmers it is my priority to have the intensive contact with the farmers because the pandemic this contact was limited and twitter contact is very useful for to, to exchange the views uh, with the farmers i think that uh, this this contact uh, is uh, valuable for 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 both sides for me this is uh, i receive the signals what is uh, the farmers expectation what they think about the, our proposals and uh, also this is an um, opportunity to explain better our intention uh, for the farmers discussion is uh, as, as always the, the in the normal uh, during the physical meetings the discussion with farmers is also not not easy but uh, the same on the twitter but i i will continue this dialogue with the farmers using this platform Yeah, we've definitely found Twitter to be a very useful platform as well for, for us um, during this pandemic. Um, but on the theme of, of, of Twitter, um, after a heated Twitter exchange recently, uh, the president of EU Farmers Association, uh, Kopika Jeka, recently said that EU farmers no longer felt represented by you. Um, in your mind, how do you see the role as EU Agricultural Commissioner um, and who who do you consider that you represent? And also, you've already spoken about um, this relationship with EU farmers, um, but how do you see your relationship with EU farmers? 
this opinion it was expressed as if i remember well after the discussion about the, the uh, parliamentary debate on the uh, cage system for the for the uh, in the poultry poultry sector and laying hands um, but after that i had the meeting with the, the copa cocheca presidium and uh, i think all 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 the problems were were, were explained during the, the, the this 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 meeting and uh, I have the good contact with Copa Cogeca. Of course, we discuss. Discussion is not sometimes not easy, but uh, we have good contact. As a commissioner, that maybe the problem is uh, that I uh, my uh, obligation is to be uh, uh, um, to to represent all farmers in in European Union, because sometimes I can observe the tendency to. Prefer the, the the big uh, farmers to represent their their interest, but uh, my obligation is to to represent all European farmers and also to have um, approach as a as a for all European citizens because agriculture is important not only for farmers for for four hundred sixty million European citizens they they need agriculture they need food security they want to to have um, uh, environmental friendly farming, and uh, this is my obligation. First obligation is to take care about the farmers, but uh, with a larger vision of the problems. And uh, let, let's get back to the main topic, the, the common agricultural policy. Um, from the very beginning of the negotiations, you put the respect of the the Green Deal targets as um, or the Green Deal objectives as a commission's red line. But some NGOs, particularly the environmental one, are insisting on this fact, saying that it's uh, that these talks are not uh, forging, are not shaping a cap that is uh, fit for the Green Deal. Now that we are approaching the finishing line, do you think that this cap, as it stands, has the potential to be in line with the Green Deal? Yes, we 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 are going uh, in line of the of the Green Deal. Uh... During the, the negotiations, and uh, the main elements of the green architecture will be uh, in, included the CAP reform. And um, well, of course, not 100%. This is always uh, in the negotiations. Uh, the Green Deal is a very ambitious uh, uh, plan, but I think that we are going uh, uh, to the right direction. But that's, uh, this is very important uh, that. Uh, not everything will be decided on the level uh, of legislation, le- legislative package. The very important part of the reform will be the uh, CAP strategic plans, national strategic plans. And the national strategic plan, it will be document uh, in which uh, will be the, the concrete action, concrete programs for the individual member states. And this will be very important um, part of the reform and also the, the dialogue with the member states. I know that it will be not uh, not easy, that the, the discussion will be difficult with the member states because we have um, one of the problems, maybe the most serious problem is that we have different starting points across the member states. That, uh, for example, the, the greenhouse gas emission, which is a um, very important uh, indicator of the consequences of agriculture for the climate, for the environment. We have the uh, average uh, emission per hectare uh, in European Union is two, uh, 
and half tons per hectare. But difference between member states is uh, we have member states in which this is uh, 1.3 tons per hectare, like in Bulgaria, or uh, more than seven tons, like Belgium, or more than 10 tons, uh, like uh, Netherlands. It will be the problem to, to find a fair approach for our requirement from the member states. And uh, my expectation is that member states uh, with high level of the emission, high level of use of pesticides, high level of use of antimicrobials would be more ambitious uh, and uh, expectation is more uh, action from this these member states who have uh, high level of the emissions of the use of uh, pesticides, fertilizers, etc. Et and talking now about the future of the CAP, so beyond this CAP reform, um, I'm wondering what your take is on the fact that parts of the UK in a kind of post-Brexit move have decided to do away with direct payments completely um, and instead focus much more on, on rural development and payments for ecosystem services. Um, is this the right move, in your opinion, for the future of farming? And do you see a kind of similar direction for the future of the CAP with far fewer direct payments and much more emphasis on rural development. I don't uh, want to comment that the decision of the of the UK government and the, the, their policy, but in European Union the direct payment system has a long history, and according to the last study prepared by the by the Commission about the impact of the CAP measures on the general objective available food production. It was uh, published a few days ago. We need to support our farmers. We need to maintain the system of, of direct payment because it is a very important system to have the farmers because the, the, the problem in the European Union is, for example, lack of generational renewal. It's very difficult to encourage the young people to be a farmers. There is a problem with succession for the, in the family farming. Uh, the farmers' children don't like to be the farmers because uh, this is a very difficult job with high risk and uh, we need to support farmers. Without support, uh, we will not have farmers in European Union. This is no choice. We need to support our farmers. This is the question. This is uh, situation in member states is different. In some member states, more important is direct payment. In others, the, the rural development uh, programs. We need to, to have the balanced approach uh, for this, but we need to support our farmers because the alternative is to stop the farming in the European Union. Without support, farmers are not able to exist, to continue their the activity. So it will be quite a hectic week uh, for us. And uh, if you want to follow all the developments, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, you need to tune in on uh, your active website and check our live blog when we Best try. Advice. Yeah, we mm -hmm. try to uh, bring you all the uh, relevant uh, information development uh, statements um, during the trilogue week, the, 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 the CAP week. The CAP week will start on Tuesday with a full day trilogue. And then um, on Wednesday morning, there will be a first agri-fish session instead. And um, so basically the uh, a gathering of EU uh, agriculture ministers that 
will be informed about the results of the trilogue the day before, and then there will be another trilogue session on uh, Wednesday afternoon. And of course, again, in parallel, the ministers uh, will be uh, updated, uh, actually updated live uh, by the Portuguese presidency. And uh, let's see if they're going to find a deal on Wednesday evening. Otherwise, there's the possibility to have another a day or maybe two um, of negotiations um, on Thursday. Sounds like it, doesn't it? That it's fairly, fairly likely. It's very likely. It's very likely. Because it's, yeah, because it's not just one big topic. We're talking about three regulations. So... Uh, mm. A lot of outstanding issues there, uh, social conditionality, um, the uh, CMO, so the Common Market Organization, so basically the the, the wine markets, the new variety, the new grapevine, mm. uh, the eco scheme, of course, uh, everything that we uh, touched on during the the interview with uh, Commissioner Wojciechowski. But if mm-hmm. you want to check all the outstanding issues, there's a cap tracker on your active. Uh, website uh, where you can basically see uh, what's at stake and uh, what are the main uh, issues that need to be sorted out uh, in order to get a deal. But before we leave you, we actually have another surprise up our sleeve with another guest this week as well. Another distinguished guest. We're just full of them this week. Who else do we have on the podcast today, Gerardi? Another protagonist of the CAP file uh, is the, she's the rapporteur for the Horizontal Regulation one portion of the cap, uh, Ulrike Müller, German MEP, uh, Liberal German MEP, so it's uh, an MEP for uh, Renew Europe. Uh, we had an interview with her, uh, you can find it online on your active website, uh, but we have uh, quick anticipation for, for our listener. Sneak peek uh, for you all. Just for you, and uh, let's hear what she said about the um, negotiations. I know that we have a lot of small and family farms in Europe. They are they're really hard workers. They are working seven days per week and say they look on her farm and thinking, what do are you doing here in Brussels? That's that's an, I, I'm sure that they will not read the articles. They will choose some indicators, some eco-schemes, what, they are, what is possible for her farm, what is it's helpful in her system, if they produce crops or mice or, or they have animals. So it's different. And the farmers want to protect the nature. They want to help to have the biodiversity. Uh, and we have so many family farms, and these are in my focus. And so I think... We have uh, we have to show it from both sides, not only from our uh, legislative side, from our yes uh, policymaker side, also from the side what happens in the farm sector. And this is something what I want to bring in as an input as a family farmer. I, I I always say that I think. There are not so many MEPs there working on the weekend in the shed and milk the cows, so I do it. <laughs> and I know what happens if a cow is ill and so on. <laughs> so uh, that, that's, that's a balance between. I think we need the feeling. And I'm sure that we work next week really hard. We fight for our positions. 
but we have in our mind also the position from the smallest uh, from the family farms. They need income. They they produce the best high quality of foods. Uh, so we have a uh, really. Uh, a great system in Europe, and we want to switch it to, for a more environmental uh, sensible issues, and we will do it. So that's all from us this week. And this week, the Euractive Agri-Food podcast was produced like every week by Euractive's Agri-Food news team. That's Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foote, with technical support from Euractive's podcast producer, Evi Curie. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms that includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week.